Thank you so much for joining me on Teach Me How to Money. Today we have a very special guest, Stash's own Giff Carter. Hi. Giff, how are you today? Great. How are you? I'm doing okay. Giff, first of all, tell the listening audience, what do you do at Stash? So I'm the chief revenue officer, and what I do is I help figure out what are the next sets of products that we're going to offer and who are we going to give them to. Oh, so you're the brains behind all the, the great stuff we're rolling out. I like to think of myself as the face. <laughs> Let's talk about saving. Okay. <laughs> what is your first memory of saving? It's funny. I don't think it's really saving, but the first thing I remember is you used to get this certificate for a free ice cream cone at uh, Baskin Robbins. And my dad would give it to me and I would hold it the whole year. And then, you know, on my birthday, we would go and, and it was the greatest thing ever. So to me, that was always savings as I was going to get an ice cream cone in the future. So you learned about opportunity cost? I don't think that I knew those words, but in theory, <laughs> yes. So would you wait for the ice cream cone on your birthday? Or could you redeem it any time? I now understand you can basically redeem it at any time, but I was led to believe as a child that you had to wait until your birthday. So it was a big deal. So what flavor did you get? Do you remember? In those days, I was always mint chocolate chip. Oh, you can't go wrong with that. I, I'm, I'm, I'm expanding now. I'm, I'm, a, I'm getting those, you know, fancy flavors like the uh, salt caramel stuff. But. Well, I think that sounds great. So today we're going to talk about the difference between saving and investing. And a lot of people don't know the difference. They think you're saving for your future, but they don't know that there's different ways to save for your future. Yeah, I mean, I think of saving as the first part of investing. You know, savings when you have excess left over at the end of the month, right? That's a deferred consumption. Okay, Fancy term, you wanted to use opportunity cost, I'll use deferred <laughs> consumption. Well, explain what deferred consumption means. Well, I always think of it like, you know, Neanderthal man out there, right? And, and cold winter is coming and, and we've got, uh, you know, the buffalo and a little bit of, you know, wheat and corn and stuff like that. Deferred consumption is I save some of that to eat over the winter. Okay. Right? And then current consumption, I just eat it all. We have a giant Thanksgiving feast and then we starve in the winter. So it makes sense to con so, defer some of your consumptions right. just, just so you so, have for a rainy day. Right. So very literally, you make, let's just say, $36,000 a year. You bring home $3,000 a month. If you spend all $3,000, you have consumed it all. Right. If you only spend, say, $2,500, you have created $500 of consumption that you could postpone. Okay. So that is saving, and usually people put their savings in a savings account. That's right. So how? What when you put your money in a savings account, what happens to it? So literally, in, 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 it's either a bank or a bank equivalent. The money goes in. It sits there. It earns you a tiny bit of interest. Right. Right. So let's just say it earns 1% interest, which is better than most accounts today will get. But uh, if you hunt around, you could get better. Sure. Uh, but so 1% on, uh, you know, say $1,000, right, is $10. So over the course of the year, you earn $10. It usually comes in uh, monthly. Divide that $10 by 12 months and you get whatever it is, 80-ish cents a month. So that doesn't really do a lot for you. That's there was true. a time... Think back in the, uh, for those of you that are old enough, in the 1980s when interest rates were 13, 14, 15 percent. And your savings account might generate 8 or 9 percent per year of returns. And that was actually really something, right? Sure. That was real money that you were earning. Uh, at 1 percent, it's really about creating a safety net. It's not about building for the future, which is how you pivot then to investing. So let's talk about investing. So. Right. When you put your money in an investment account, mm -hmm. and we're going to get more into that in a second, what is happening to your money? Well, in, in a very real sense, 
what's happening is you're giving your money to a company and you're saying, go spend that money to earn profit and then give me a share of the profit back. So let's just think uh, people are very familiar with Tesla, right? So sure. uh, think of it as, you know, you're giving that money to Elon Musk and he's taking lots of people's money and he's building his car factory. And he then uh, is delivering, you know, the series Model S, whatever it is. People are buying them. It generates profits. Your share price goes up, reflecting the prospect of current and future profits. And at some point, they start to hand out cash and sort of dividends, share repurchases, et cetera. When so, people say you're putting your money to work, right. what does that actually mean? So when you save, right, the, the money goes into your bank account. And again, it's not really doing anything for you today. Right. Right. So it's safe because banks are insured and you'll be able to get it back. So it's safe from, you know, robbers. And if the alternative <laughs> is you put it under your, uh, uh, you know, under your mattress. I don't know if you ever read historical fiction, but I, I do. Of course I do. And, uh, you know, the stories of how people would have trouble way back when of like they had six gold coins. And what did you do with them? Because before banks, you know, anybody could show up and just take your money away. Right. And so it's true. It's safe, right? It goes into the bank. Putting it to work is when you're sending that money out and saying, go earn your keep. So you're going to go to Elon Musk, we talked about, or you're going to go to, you know, JP Morgan or uh, some other company where you're going to be investing the money with the expectation that over time it's going to generate profit and that profit is going to come back to you and give you more money than you started with. And that's the same with bonds. You That's it's a fixed rate. Bonds. bonds are literally, it's where you loan money for generally it's a fixed return, but you get priority in getting your money back. So you get your money before the equity holders. Debt is like, I'm going to lend a bank lending you $250,000 to buy your house. Now, you pay them back, whatever they charge these days, four or four and a quarter, four and a half percent is the interest rate. You pay them back over the 30 years and the house is yours. The most they can ever get is that 250000 you borrowed for them plus their interest. Now, think of it a different way is the bank could say, I'm going to go in with you on the house and we're going to go in halvesies. That's nice. And I'm going to put in money and you're going to put in money and I own half of it. Now... Maybe your property goes up, the town really takes off, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those reclamation neighborhoods, I don't know, <laughs> and three years later, the, ca- the house is worth a million dollars, right? Right. Well, half of that, the bank owns because they own half the house. So your opportunity for reward is much greater. Now, at the same time, they own half the house. So what happens if it becomes, you know, one of those Three Mile Island neighborhoods? Ooh, and, no no know, one wants that. Right. So now the house is worth, let's just say, zero. Everybody takes a loss. They lost $100,000 or sure. 125 whatever the half was. So that's sort of the difference between debt and equity when you're an investor. You invest in debt when you're expecting a lower return generally, right? But it's a safer return because you get your money out first. Now, on the equity side, it's higher risk, but you're expecting a higher return. Got it. So when you're in stash, right, and you engage with the coach, you know, one of the things that the coach tries to do is help you understand how much your money should be in safer investments like bonds versus uh, riskier investments like stocks. And the biggest issue for almost everybody on this is how soon do you need the money? So that brings us to a great topic because we're not poo-pooing savings accounts. No. They're important parts. And let's talk about why a savings account is a really important tool in your financial arsenal. 
Well, the first thing is actually just to create the excess money in case something goes wrong. Right. Right? We always call it a rainy day fund, sure. or an emergency fund, whatever you want to call it. So you don't want that money to be at risk, right? So we just had a big, you know, the market went down, whatever it was, 10, 11%. Sure. Right? It was only 10 years ago, rough justice, that the market went down a huge amount, almost 30%. Think about 2008 when the market went down so much, right? If you were able to hold on until even today, you know, the market went from um, roughly 11,000 back then all the way up to wherever it is today, 24,000 and some change, right? Mm -hmm. That's a huge raise. But if you needed that money in early 2009, when the market had gone from you know fourteen fifteen thousand down to eleven thousand, you had lost a lot of money, and so things that you need soon, right? You want to put it in something that's not going to be subject to that kind of uh, we use the term volatility, but those kinds of value swings in day to day types of things, and that tends to be you know savings account is the least volatile; it never changes, right? Bonds are the next layer down. They can change a little bit. They tend not to really radically change in value, right? And then equities are amongst the conventional investments than the most volatile, right? So you should expect if you're taking that risk that it's going to go up and down that you get paid more. So the historical returns for the equities are, uh, let's just say, rough justice, including uh, dividends a little over 9%, almost 9 and a quarter percent over roughly a 30-year period, right? That's what all the studies say. Bonds are going to go less. They're going to go in a, a 4 to 5% today with the lower interest rates. You're not going to get that much. Savings account today is, let's just say, 1%. Sure. So maybe it's 1, 3, 6, 7, 8, something like that is, is a way to think about it. So when we talk about a rainy day fund, mm -hmm. which um, everyone says you have to have one, but what do you use a rainy day fund for? What is a rainy day? My view is that... You use a rainy day, and this is just how I personally think of it, is it's an emergency that you can't put off. Okay. So, you know, I don't think of a vacation as an emergency, right? And sure. So, um, you know, I have two kids. As you're going along and it's coming up uh, next week for us is the February school vacation. And, you know, if you're off budget, then, you know, maybe we do a stay-at-home vacation or maybe we do a day trip somewhere. Sure. And if you're on budget, then maybe you are allowed to go up to, you know, Vermont and go skiing. So I don't think of that as an emergency. Got it. I think of emergencies as, uh, you know, personal injury where you don't have income or you need to pay the doctor's bills in Absolutely. order to get things done. I think of it as you lose your job and you have to cover expenses. Um, I think of it as, I, I personally think of it as uh, my close family, if they suffer any of those and I need to help them get through those events. Absolutely. Um, you know, those are the types of things that I think of as a, a rainy day fund. And to be honest, it's also things like if the roof of the house springs a leak. Absolutely. You got to deal you with know, that right now. You got to deal with it, right? You can't put that off. Um, so, you know, the car breaks down and you need the repair. There, sure. there are these types of, of uses that you really can't put them off. And sometimes you need emergency child care. Sometimes you just need that money at hand right away. Right away. So what do you think is a good amount of money to, like how many months of saving do you think should be in a rainy day fund? I tend to go a little lower, around three months. Okay. Um, some financial advisors would say six months. I've heard people talk about a year. Um, I think when you're at six months or a year, there's enough time in there that I would put that money at least in a bond fund and have it working for me. 
Okay. Right. So I I don't think of it as cash in the um, in the bank account for a year. That just seems like a lot of money to me. Again, some people would be more conservative, but me personally, I wouldn't. I don't. Let's put it that way. But it's a personal choice. You want to have enough put away in a savings account so that if <laughs> the S hits the fan, you don't have to sell yeah. an investment. You can just have it at hand. That's right. And you can just deal with the problem right. and know that you have that money there, and it's it's peace of mind. Exactly. So. I think of it as um, I want to be able to ride out short-term market turbulence like we just experienced sure. to get back to normal before I need to start doing things like selling bonds in order to make up. And, you know, I personally, uh, like most Americans, uh, I'm a little behind on my retirement savings. Yeah. And so I'm always trying to put extra money over there in retirement and when I put it in there, I, you know, I don't know if this is the smartest thing to do, but I invest pretty <laughs> aggressively in, in you know, the retirement account because I know I'm a little behind. Well, this is a great uh, segue. So now we know what savings accounts are good for. What kind of goals are an investing account good for? We were just talking about retirements. Yeah. I think an investing account is good for anything that's got, let's just say, six months or longer before you need it. Okay. And meaning that... If you really need the money in, in three or four months, you're probably way better off to just keep it in a savings account. Okay. By the time you're at six months, there's enough time to correct those, right? And so now I think you want to be investing in getting something for the money. You know, a simple way to think of it is when you put the money in your bank account, the bank gets to use it to make money. That's true. After a certain point in time, like you should be getting that money, not the bank. So yeah. you move it over to the investing side. You pick a, a sort of a a degree of riskiness that you're comfortable for. So I personally think of it as shorter-term, medium-term, and long-term goals. Okay. And so me, I think of short-term goals as it's really longer-term savings. Sure. So it's a big vacation you might want to take. I have this dream someday I'm going to take my kids on this South Africa thing and see the lions in the wild and whatnot, right? Oh, that, that's, but that's, a, that's a great goal. I you like know, that. You save for that for a couple of years. You don't just go do that, right? <laughs> um, and then I think about medium-term goals, right? So uh, buying a house. Conventional financing in this country requires basically a 20% down. Sometimes you can get away with less. Um, but let's just say it's even 10% down. If you're going to buy a $400,000 house, you need $40,000 for the down payment and Let's just say another $10,000 for all the closing costs that you're going to need. Absolutely. That takes a number of years to save up for, right? And then I think of long-term goals, which in a sense to me, there's only one real long-term goal and that's retirement. Got it. And uh, it doesn't matter whether, you know, for my thinking, whether it's in a retirement account or your, your regular stash account, but long-term is like, it's it's a long way. So I guess I'm not as young as I used to be, so... Hardly, um, you know, eventually retirement becomes much closer. But right? there's different kinds of investing accounts. There's a retirement account, mm -hmm. and there's also a, a taxable brokerage account. So mm -hmm. as we get more into into goals, you have different investment options. You do. I think that those names make things a little confusing for people, okay. right? Explain it to me. So you're saving for the long term, meaning you're going to invest as much as you're comfortable with in equities. You're going to take the most risk because you have the most time if something goes bad, to let the investments recover, right? Got it. So if 2008 happens and you're still 10 or 12 years away from needing that money long term, mm -hmm. right, you'd be in the situation we were right now, things will have gone very good for you. Retirement versus a regular taxable account, I mean, the government basically says if you put money in a designated retirement account, 
we'll let it grow tax-free. And the trade-off for that is you're not really supposed to use it until age 59 and a half. Right. And so they're trying to create that that psychological lockbox, and it's really put away and saved for retirement. And you get that benefit of it grows tax-free. And, you know, there are two types of retirement accounts. And one, you pay taxes today on the money that you earn. You put it in the retirement account. It, it grows tax-free. And it's tax-free when you take it out, you know, when you're in retirement. And that's a Roth, correct? That is a Roth. Oh, good. And then in the traditional... I put the money in now and I take a tax deduction so I don't pay income on the dollars. They go in pre-tax. It grows tax-free. And then I pay tax on it when the money comes out. And in general, the traditional is aimed at more affluent people who are going to be in a lower tax rate when they retire or on less income than they are today. And the, the Roth is aimed at, you know, more mainstream Americans who are going to either retire on the same or potentially even a higher tax bracket in the future. Um, and, and traditionally, those folks have a relatively low, let's just say sub-15% uh, effective tax rate on their income. Uh, but those are the two flavors. But that suggests to people that the regular account's not for retirement. When Got it. it totally is. The only real difference between that is your gains aren't tax-free as it's growing, but you can use the money for other things like emergencies as time goes on. Oh, I so get it. So most people, you know, if you have a 401k at work and your boss is going to match your contributions, you just you contribute whatever it is to get his matches because that's free money. Right? Absolutely. So everybody loves free money. I love free money. You love <laughs> free money. Everybody loves it, right? After you've done that, now you're thinking about, okay, how much should I put in the retirement account where it's locked up and it's safe? Versus how much should I put in the taxable account where I can get it if there's an emergency? Got it. And I think you find most people do a mix of the both because, you know, if the emergency doesn't happen, the money grows and you use it in retirement. But if an emergency does happen, people want access to that money. Absolutely. Well, this has been incredibly helpful. Here's my last question for you is what would, for someone listening who is like, I can't think about retirement yet. I can't think about investing yet. I don't even have any savings. I'm I'm just totally lost. What would you recommend as a good step to just start saving? This will sound self-serving towards stash, but, you know, I think that the most important thing is to get off the sidelines. So most people go at this and uh, they focus on perfection and how do they make the exact right decision Sure. when the reality is it's, it's the flip, right? It's just doing a little bit gets you so much further than doing the optimal thing. So you know, that's why we built Stash. So if you're sitting there, you know, just take yourself and just think like $5 a week, right? Okay. Literally $5 a week. It's a Starbucks grande these days, it seems like. And just start with that. We built um, our feature called, have we talked about this with our listeners? We haven't yet. All right. So we should talk one day about Smart Save. We should. But we built a, a, a little savings algorithm that helps you do a little bit of savings here and there. And you can turn that on, right? It's a pretty painless way to do it. But just start, right? And then get a little comfortable because you're investing $5 and you're not going to go wrong because you can't go wrong, right? right? The, the game is getting <laughs> the game, good. right? Like you just get in and just start small. That That's the biggest thing to do. So and I think people get very, I, I agree with you. People think they have to just have a large amount of money to feel like they've saved anything, but you can just save a little bit over time. Just having an extra five yeah. bucks a week is, is not nothing. It's not nothing. I mean, we do modeling 
And uh, one of the things that we've realized is uh, for people in their mid-20s, if you put $25 a week away, right? So that's a little more than five, obviously, sure. but it's still not, for most people, a totally unachievable objective. That's pretty exciting to think about. It, it is. And then you know, you'll get Social Security. Today, for most people, that's going to pay, let's just say, in the $1,500 a month range, right? And on a $200,000 nest egg, you can draw down at least another $1,000 a month. So you're talking about almost doubling your standard yeah. of living in retirement by being able to just start saving 25 bucks a week today. And that's sort of the power of having a long, long time to make all this money work for you. Well, this has been very educational and very helpful. Thank you so much for sitting down with me. Pleasure. Thanks for listening to Teach Me How to Money. Send us your questions at teachmehowtomoney at stashinvest.com and we'll try to answer them on a future episode. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a review on the iTunes store, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Ready to start investing? Sign up for Stash and then enter the promo code PODCAST and you'll get $5 to get started on your financial journey. Stash, it's your money, simplified. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute a recommendation from Stash to the listener. Neither Stash nor any of its officers, directors, or employees makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any of the information contained in this podcast and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, is expressly disclaimed. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Stash, and Stash is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. In addition, the receipt of this podcast by any listener is not to be taken as constituting the giving of advice by Stash to the listener, nor to constitute such a person a client of Stash.